up, everybody. You're now at your favorite stop for all things sports, politics, and culture. It's the Wake Up and Win podcast with Devon Pouncey, a production of ThatCast Network. Wake up, world. You're now tuned in to the Wake Up and Win podcast, and I'm your host, Devon Pouncey. We're here in the Pearl District in beautiful Portland, Oregon, and this is a product of ThatCast Podcast Network. So be sure to go to thatcast.com, check out our lineup of very dope, talented, thought-provoking, positive, sometimes negative, all that good stuff podcast. We got some great content there for you. Um, A lot of local content here in the PDX area, and I think you would highly enjoy the lineup that we have over there. Um, Be sure to go subscribe, go rate us, iTunes, we're an Apple podcast, SoundCloud, we're there too, Spotify, we're there too, pretty much anywhere that you stream your podcast, we're there, and as I mentioned, you can go find the podcast right there on thatcast.com as well. Um, We do have merch out available on wakeupandwin.com, that's wakeup, the letter N, win.com. A lot of people ask me about the shirts that they may see me wearing out in the public because I do often wear my Wake Up and Win shirts. Um, they're dope. The logo's dope. Um, you might also have seen them on my Instagram sometimes when we promote the podcast. Um, so be sure to go support the podcast in that way as well. But now let's dig into a little bit of content for the day. I got D-Boy alongside me. What's going on, D-Boy? What's up, man? Coming back from a long weekend, man. From Just a long catching weekend, up. huh? Just catching up yeah. still. It's midweek, but I'm catching up. <laughs> yeah, it's dang near the end of the week now, yeah, man. I'm, we rolling on man. We rolling on in the Thursday. Like I said, it was a night. long weekend. We went from <laughs> Vegas to L.A. to the Bay and back to Portland. So, so what yeah. So what you do? Go get in the studio? What man, I got in the studio, made uh, albums worth of music. Music, then I had two shows. Okay. Uh, it, was, it was a lot of work, man. Alrighty, so we well, back at it. Yeah, well, it's the life you chose, buddy. I love it. I love it's it. It's the life you chose. I love it. But today, it has been a very, very, very tough day. Really a trash day as far as I'm concerned in the world of sports. And a little bit has to do with me being a poor sport in the very moment because the Major League Baseball postseason Ace. has begun. And for those of you that do not know, I am an Oakland A's fan, born and raised, and we took an L today and in the I'm a Yankee game. fan, so I'm happy about it. Well, I'm not happy about it, and I got a few um, bones to pick, okay. mainly with the MLB. Ooh. A lot of this is coming from a salty place. All right, now. <laughs> so a All lot right. of this is coming from a salty place. Um, Major League Baseball, you play... 162 games in a in a season. A lot. You can add an extra game or two for I think you may have to change the playoff format and not even do a wild card like they have in the American League and the National League, but you play in a 162 game season and our season just got thrown away in a matter of one game. And it wasn't game three or game two or game four or five or six or seven or any of that. We got one opportunity at it. Sure, we took the L. But why the playoff format is the way it is and we only got to play one game after a 162-game season, I'm not quite a fan of it. Yeah, that's weak. Sure, it may be coming from a place of we took an L. And had we not taken this loss to the New York Yankees tonight, it would, it would I be probably wouldn't be saying this. But we did. 
And that's how you feel. But we did, and that's how I feel. And in fact, Major League Baseball, by the way, if it were the other way around, and the Oakland A's beat the New York Yankees with the Aaron Judge, who hit us out the park today, who who balled out and he did what he was supposed to do. Just imagine in such a low percentage game, and don't get me wrong, I'm not knocking the game of baseball because I love baseball, but in a game where percentages are a lot lower, good high percentages are technically lower than many other sports. If we, the Oakland A's, came out and beat the New York Yankees and Aaron Judge, that would not have been good for your sport. The Yankees are the most prominent team in the MLB, the most popular team. Aaron Judge has now become the most prominent and popular player in the MLB. And quite frankly, in baseball, things happen. A lot of the times, games are dependent upon who has, got a lot of who has the high back. The Yankees a have a lot of fans. of fans, absolutely. So what I'm saying is, had the game gone the other way around, I don't think it would have been good for baseball for Aaron Judge and the New York Yankees to only have had one opportunity to go out and win a baseball game tonight, which they ended up doing. So but they're it's not, not like really they worried. changed the format. That's what it's been. So. It's, it's been that. But my point is this. First of all, there's a huge difference in energy. There's a huge difference in excitement when it comes to postseason play in comparison to regular season play. Now, if this was football, I understand it. Football, you only play one game a week. Football, you have 16 games in a season. Football, you don't play on back-to-back nights, any of that stuff. Basketball, it's all series-based. And I think that helps the sport of basketball as far as this postseason is concerned, as far as the interest in sport is concerned. Baseball, I don't really see an excuse as to why the first round couldn't be a three or a five game series when you are already playing 162 games in a year anyway. So you work, you play 162 games just to get a wild card spot, and boom, your season is over in one game. I don't see any reason for the single elimination format in the postseason to exist. Three-game series series is fine with me, but the single elimination game format... It's too quick. It's too quick, especially... It's too much of it where you can have a bad night. Exactly. And, And in my opinion, with that being said, the best team doesn't always win in baseball. Sometimes it's who's got the hot bat. Sometimes it's who has the best pitching that night. Obviously, we know kind of the, the, the rules and the regulations surrounding how many innings can be pitched and when a player can pitch and when a player can't pitch. A team isn't going to always be at its best on any given night in the sport of baseball for multiple reasons. But if you look at the entire regular season of baseball, majority of the time you're playing two and three game series anyway when you're playing okay we play the A's play Seattle for three games then next we'll go play the Texas Rangers for three games majority of the season you're already playing in series type increments so So when you get to the playoffs now all of a sudden you want to have a one single elimination game and sure I understand this has been the case and I understand things haven't changed in a while and this is how things have been and quite frankly I also understand that my team lost tonight okay and had we won i'd be happy about us moving right along go yankees so i am (laughs) gonna admit my bias there but since it happened and since things played out the way it did major league baseball step it up it's time to make the playoffs in the postseason as a series format as well from start to finish and not having this single elimination 
NFL March Madness type approach <laughs> to teams. Go CC Sabathia, <laughs> Vallejo native. Hey, yeah, Thank shout you. out to CC, and I'm happy about him. Obviously, hopefully he can go out and win a World Series at this point because he is a Vallejo native. Um, he's probably playing in his last season. He keeps signing these one-year deals. I think a part of the part of that has to do with. He does have some good young talent over there, and he does want to try and finish out on top because his team does have potential to win a World Series. But still, baseball, step it up. And quite frankly, the people in the city of Portland, with the push that's happening out here for Major League Baseball, you all have a responsibility to challenge the Major League Baseball officials and the execs and all that good stuff to see what kind of changes that you want to happen in the MLB just in case a team happens to pop up here in the city of Portland. Well, way to come in hot, opening up yeah, with some openly bias. I, I like it. That's I like how it. I felt. That's how I felt today. So now we're going to transition a little bit, and we're going to get into, I guess we can say a little bit more serious talk, but I also think this is a little bit more celebratory as well because Eric Reed, um, many of you may know him as a former safety of the 49ers, and the guy who has been standing alongside Colin Kaepernick in this push for social justice. Um, he was the first player to take a knee with him when they were on the San Francisco 49ers together. And he has been the guy alongside Colin Kaepernick in this collusion case that somewhat gets talk about, talked about, but not as much because under the Colin, Colin is kind of taking that spotlight of being the face of this movement and the face of this collusion case. But Eric Reed has been alongside him since day one. And also Eric Reed just got picked up last week by the Carolina Panthers for a one year deal. Clap it up, Eric Reed. Yeah, Salute that's, to him. That's Salute very to him. celebratory. Well deserved, well deserved. But now it sucks that it gotta be like that though. Like what? celebratory that he got picked up I, when he should be playing already. I agree. For sure. That's my point. I agree. And this is where I agree on that because I've seen a lot of people coming out and giving the Carolina Panthers credit and kind of praising them for making the move. And, and I say this with air quotes, taking a risk because Eric Reed has, his name has now been tied into this whole situation, which some people like to call a distraction. I don't, I think that is the total wrong word for this, especially because when you really think about the manner in which those guys protested, I think that was the furthest, furthest thing from a distraction that they could have possibly done was taken in, be quiet. But anywho, a lot of people are commending, um, the Carolina Panthers organization for being able to take this risk, which, like I said, is not a risk, but making this move and signing Eric Reed, especially during a time period where politics is where it is, especially during a time period where Eric Reed actually has a case against the league. And ultimately, the Carolina Panthers said that they made this move because they have had some injuries at the safety position, and Eric Reed was the next best option. I just see that as doing your job. If you're an organization, I see that as doing your job. Any smart person in the world probably would have picked up this 26-year-old Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl defensive back. I mean, he's available, right? And you're not doing so hot at that position. So I don't see it as celebratory either. Um, I think this is kind of the same conversation that was being had with Colin Kaepernick and the Nike deal where a lot of people were celebrating Nike and you had other people that were kind of pumping their brakes because of 
the reasons as to why Nike made the moves that it made. <clears throat> only it, thing, it enhances them. Only thing that I'm celebrating is that somebody worthy of a job got the job. Absolutely. You know what I mean? But as far as patting the Panthers on the back or anything of that nature, I'm not a fan. I don't I'm not yeah, sold. You know what I mean? I agree. So that's the only thing I'm celebrating. Uh I I think that he should continue his collusion case too. Yeah. By the way. He is he is doing that. Yeah, I think he should. I think he's right for that. And yeah, it's sad that we even have to have this discussion about people who are very worthy of playing in the NFL. And did nothing illegal, by right, the way. Wasn't injured or none of that, right? He wasn't injured. He, he healthy, he, young, no substance pro abuse, bowl, uh, no, yeah. no, no sexual misconduct, no allegations, no none of that. All he did was take a knee. That's all he did. Sad. Now, I do think that it's interesting that he did, you know, accept the job, which why wouldn't he? And he still has this collusion case going on. And I think it's important for him to do that because you don't want to make it seem as if the job takes away from the issues that the NFL has proposed towards you or right. that you believe the yeah. NFL has proposed yeah. towards you. It definitely didn't that, help and, nothing and about that, that part of it. And no. the fact that you have lost money right. based on your beliefs. Right. You have lost money because you haven't been signed and you yeah. haven't been playing. Him getting picked up changed none of that. Absolutely. Yeah, no. So that's mm -hmm. why I think it's very important to go forward with the case. Um, I think it would look kind of tacky if he didn't go forward and it would make it look like, oh, all you got to do is throw some money at these guys and I they'll think, shut up and be quiet. I or think him getting picked up strengthens his case. Is that crazy? I agree. All right. All I right. agree. And I actually said that a while back we had a discussion about Kaepernick, um, and you were saying that you think Kaepernick is going to come back and play in the NFL. Yes. And I was saying that the reason why I was reluctant on that is because if Kaepernick did come back and play in the NFL, that I thought it would strengthen his case as well. Because coming back to play after being out three years in Kaepernick's case, proves that it's like okay, it proves that okay, yeah, well, really yeah, were year one or two, like, yeah, yeah, I was I'm, even more closer to the to the being game. in shape exactly. and all of that, yeah, exactly. So, so you were a lot more proven in those years, especially because his last year playing, although his team didn't do that. That well, he didn't rank badly amongst quarterbacks statistically. So, with that being said, I'm kind of surprised that Reed ended up getting the job. I'm def I would definitely be more surprised if it were Kaepernick, just because of the weight Kaepernick's name now holds in comparison to Eric Reed. But hopefully, this means that Kaepernick does still have a shot and an opportunity at playing professional football. I still believe that he deserves it. But as you said, I do think that Reed's case is now strengthened, that he's back in the NFL, and I think that it helps Colin ultimately in his case, seeing that Reed is back in the NFL as well, and just kind of seeing how celebrated, once again in air quotes, that this entire situation has been. So definitely happy for Reed. Um, and listen, I'm not mad at the Carolina Panthers. They did their job, okay? Right, I'm just not right. going to go to the extent of saying and the, praising yeah, yeah. the uh, Carolina Panthers and saying that they made such a great move. Yeah, they weren't courageous. They did their this, job. Yeah. That wasn't a courageous deal. You did your job. You picked up the next available option after dealing with some injuries. Probably could have picked them up a long time ago. And I don't think they would take offense to that uh, they opinion. They shouldn't. And Absolutely if they do, not. who cares? <laughs> so next up.
we um we gonna discuss a little bit of hip hop because uh, Lil Wayne, one of the goats, has released a new album. Um, we're not gonna sit here. Sparked a lot of we're conversations. Not, we're not gonna opinion. Right. We're not gonna sit here and analyze the album song for song. But I want to get into a little bit of the influence of Lil Wayne amongst many other hip hop artists. So stay locked in. It's the Wake Up and Win podcast on Natcast Network. And there it is. Keep it locked, folks, as we continue to give you a winning formula. It's the Wake Up and Win podcast. Visit thatcast.com for more great content on Thatcast Network. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back to the Wake Up and Win podcast here on Natcast Networks. And D-Boy, we're getting ready to put the ball in your court a little bit as we talk a little bit of hip-hop. Hey, now, say um, now. Um, this guy, I would say, on more of a national, global level, uh, on more of an industry level, Lil Wayne just released the Carter Five last Friday. He is my favorite rapper as far as the rap industry is concerned. Now, as far as just who my favorite all-time rapper is who didn't quite get to the stage of Lil Wayne is Mac, Mac Dre. It's a lot of home turf bias with that. But anywho, if we're talking about industry rappers, this Lil Wayne's my guy. Okay. Cool. Lil Wayne's That's definitely good to know. my guy. I don't think um, I knew that. Yeah, Lil Wayne's my guy. Um, but with that being said, I don't want to sit here and discuss song by song. I think uh, many of the hip-hop analysts have already dug into that and talked about the Mona Lisa records and this, that, and the third. But Lil Wayne has sold an incredible amount of units. Um, he's already Stream. touching and breaking streaming records. He's at least pretty close to it, breaking streaming records. Um so it got me to kind of thinking a little bit about Lil Wayne's influence. As I just mentioned, he's heavily influential in my life and my fandom of not only his music, but the genre of hip hop as a whole and even other genres that Wayne has been able to go dabble into and have major success in. So I want to kind of dig into, and I like rankings anyway, so I want to kind of dig into First of all, who's your top five most influential hip-hop artists of all time? Ooh. That doesn't mean that they're the best lyrically. That doesn't mean that they're the best sonically. This is solely about influence and the impact that these artists have been able to make out in society. And like I said, I like listing and ranking things anyway, so it's kind of right up my alley. Um, I know Wayne's definitely in my top five, but I want to know not only what your top five is, but in particular, where Lil Wayne stands in that top five. Ooh. If he's even in it. Ooh. Even if he's in your Oh, he's for sure even in if, the top okay, five. Okay, because I don't, don't want to project yeah, yeah. that upon you as no, if that's a, that's he's a, on your list. You I know, know you kind of pitched it as a no-brainer projection, right, which I right. think it is. For sure. Um, it's kind of like uh, that diss record when they said that uh, Eminem is in everybody's top 10. I just kind of agree with that. You right. feel me? But um, anyways, top five influence. I think I'm going to just say the names first, and then I'm going to try to put it in order. Go is ahead. that cool? That's cool. All right. So since we're speaking of Lil Wayne, I'm definitely going to say Lil Wayne. I'm going to say Eminem. I am going to say Jay-Z. We talking about influence here. I'm going to say, it's hard when you say that all-time stuff because 
That's the point. Putting a young boy <laughs> like this in there That's the might point. be a very argumentative, but I'm going to say Wiz Khalifa. Debatable. debatable. And then, yeah, debatable, yeah. And then uh, last but not least, I'm going to go ahead with Tupac. So, so you said Wiz, Wayne, Tupac. Eminem and Jay-Z. Eminem and Jay-Z. That's what I said. Now to put them in order, I'm going to go ahead and say Tupac. I'm going to go ahead and say Lil Wayne. I'm going to go ahead and say Jay-Z. And then I will go Wiz and Eminem. Wiz ahead of Eminem? Yeah. For 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 what, what? For, for what I grew for what I grew up and experienced as far as when we and we could dig into this word influence. Yeah, for but sure. yeah, what and, I yeah. as far as what I witnessed, yeah, influential wise, Wiz had a bigger impact on the culture as I experienced. So it. so this is this is talking personal and this is not being it's yeah, more that's of a my top five. Bias. Yeah, yeah, for top sure. five. Right, and I wouldn't there. even say bias. I would just say literally through experience like definitely I was coming home in elementary school and middle school early stages and my friends was coming home playing Eminem but I mean I personally didn't grow up around too many people doing the bleach tear and rapping like Eminem super lyrical and uh well, you know, pre like you, that, but that, you know, that's what <laughs> that's I'm kind of saying. So directly connected. Sure. I'm not saying he wasn't more influential, but from my experience, Wiz Khalifa had a wave that I watched a lot of people be impacted by and try to mimic, or you know, whether it was how he talked, the the ad libs he was doing, his laugh. It was just a lot of things that. You know, that weed went culture, along with, with the weed culture, honest, big, the Chuck Taylor, the camo pants, uh, it was the Taylor gang influence. It's just a lot more like I don't remember like a cult like, you know, unit with when it came to Eminem. He definitely had his fans out the ass. But you get what I'm saying, though. I, I think to an extent, whether you agree or disagree is not I what I'm asking you, yeah, but yeah, you get what I'm saying. But yeah. I hear where you're going. I mean, I understand Wiz's influence on society um uh, he definitely had a huge societal influence that probably doesn't get talked about to the extent that it should that it really was with that being said he's definitely not in my top five um if i can just rank him and i'm doing this sort of on the fly right now if i'm ranking him i'm going with wayne at number one i'm going with tupac at number two i'm going with eminem at number three Jay-Z at number four, and even though I'm going to narrow it down, it's more so the group definitely plays a major role in this, but I'll just narrow it down and say Ice Cube at number five. I'm putting Cube in there. Um, I think the, the influence that NWA had on the culture was phenomenal, and I think Cube was more so the stand-up guy amongst that group as far as the NWA is concerned. Uh, I think Cube was kind of the That was guy. a good one. Yeah, I think Cube was the guy that you could kind of mimic that didn't fall for some of the tricks and some of the okey-dokes that Dr. Dre may have fell for and that Easy e may have fell for. Like Cube, I felt like held his weight and he was the most solid and consistent guy as far as aligning his beliefs with his actions. Now, amongst that, Cube, obviously, with what he's been able to do in the film industry, 
We just had Oliver Maroney here on a couple episodes back, and I would advise you all go listen to that. Um, we talked about the Big Three. Oliver is the host of the Big Three podcast, the basketball three-on-three league that's held over the summer that Cube founded. I think Cube has been able to touch many different avenues, and he's had a major influence in doing so. Um, who did I say? Jay-Z at four? I mean, I think that that could be debatable as well, just because I think on many people's list, Jay-Z is probably higher up. Um, he honestly, to me... I think me, Jay-Z definitely got more influence than Eminem. I don't, I don't think so. Soci- as far as societal, as, as far as the society is concerned, I think Eminem is above Jay-Z solely because of what Eminem was able to do ensure race plays a role in this. Eminem opened up hip-hop to a group of people that probably wouldn't have gotten into the hip-hop industry to the extent that they are this day and age and to the extent that they were back when Eminem was doing it. He made rap cool for white people. He made hip-hop cool for white people. That's not to say I disagree with that. That's not to say that that's not to say that he was the first white rapper. That's not to say that there weren't white artists and white rappers that I think came it was before already Eminem. Cool. I think he was just a very, very he good. Was, he happened to be a very, very good white rapper. Yeah, but he was a very, very good one. I don't think he made one. it cool to, for them to like hip hop. But, but what I'm saying is, is publicly he so made it cool. Yeah, publicly on a public level because you got to figure hip hop was very political. So with hip hop being as political as it was, I think while yeah there might have been a lot of white hip hop fans and there were a lot of white hip hop fans. I think that the exposure and kind of the public notoriety of the white hip-hop fan had to be masked a little bit because of the place hip-hop was in then and the stuff that guys rapped about then that more so attacked that community. I feel like Eminem kind of opened the door and opened the floodgates for the groups to kind of come together and mesh together. Debatable. Debatable. At a a level that Eminem was able to do it. Debatable. That's why he's... In this conversation, because while I do think Eminem can rap very well, I don't think he's top 10 without the influence that he made outside of just his music. I think the influence is being white. That's what I think the influence (laughs) is. The fact that he is so, so talented when rap is dominated by blacks for the most part. For sure. So that's what I think the influence is. But like I said, and solely because of that, that doesn't cut it for me enough to, like I said, I seen, and don't get me wrong, I seen people dress up as Eminem for Halloween. Like, he's definitely super influential. But when I say from walking, talking, dressing, acting, like, you, you know what I mean? High being, like, when you want to be, or, you know, doing so much like one person, I feel like that's why I kind of have put Wiz above that because I seen a whole group of peers if it wasn't one trying to roll paper planes like him when he was putting joints on and saying forget blunts then it was them trying to dress like him if it wasn't that it was them trying to do his yeah you know all of that so yeah it's just super I I seen it with my own too so it's kind of fresh I, I understand that but I still think that it's a matter of where we grew up and who we more so grew up around. And that's what and I can we speak did, for. And we did, and, and yeah, we did have a pretty diverse group of friends, but there's no denying that our groups of friends and our our friend bases 
we're a little bit more black than any other race. That's right, not to say right. that we didn't have We're versatile and we're diverse, versatile, for sure. Diverse. We, we, we grew up in the Bay Area. It's a pretty diverse place. So we had white friends, Mexican friends, Asian friends, but there's no denying that the people we came up around were more so African-American and did probably more so cling to the Wiz Khalifa type people during the era where he was kind of at his peak. But what I'm saying is as far as Eminem was concerned, when it came to the white kids and when it came to the kids who hung out in different social circles than we may have, I think Eminem's influence not only holds more weight because of it, and I do still think that he's a better rapper overall than Wiz Khalifa was, but that's just something that we might not be able to relate to that a whole hey, demographic hey, can to, relate and to. And to further back your point with that, I was just talking to a friend, Mo, like two, three weeks ago, so he could vouch for this. I was telling him I was on the freeway the other day, and I was listening to Jammin' 107.5, and they played that uh, old school Eminem that, have you ever been hated or discriminated against? I have. I, you know what I'm talking yeah, yeah, about, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, mama. That right, one. Right, right. So he literally, that, that came on the radio, and I heard it. You feel me? It was a vibe. And then... I seen a dude next to me in the car. He was obviously white, and I knew he was listening to the same thing on the same rhythm, but he was rapping it yeah. word for word, yeah. strong like he was Eminem. And I was telling him, like, it's crazy like how strong music is and, you know, just the fact that you could tell, like, that would, he it took him back in time. You for could sure. tell, you feel and, me? And, so, and that's why I think M was so impressive because and I'm he, sure had he got that, a slew of them. He had that yeah. demographic yeah, that sure wasn't quite our demographic, yeah. but he was still able to touch our demographic in a way where we still put him on legendary well, status. Well, I think it's going to be interesting to kind of take this to the Lil Wayne, uh, the fact that, I had Lil Wayne as number two most influential, and you had him on one. I so had him at one. he's pretty high up on both of ours. Right. I want to know what's your opinion on why you think that is. The reason why, the same reason why I hold him in high regard the way I do. And yeah, I had Tupac, Tupac at number two, excuse me, because I think if we had to sit here and ultimately just say who the king of hip hop was, and we made this hip hop specific, I think Tupac. Tupac is amongst everybody when it comes to just being the king of hip-hop. Now, the reason why I hold Wayne in the regard that I do, because I think Wayne had the adverse effect of what Eminem had. What I mean by that is, when Wayne started out, he more so connected with our demographic. The hot boys, you know, being the young superstar rapper that he was mm -hmm. in his childhood. I think that was more so connecting with our demographic. Now, to be able to see Wayne connect with our demographic in the way that he did and then transform and transcend his career into kind of going into this rock star, skateboard Wayne and start pop. making a lot of pop music and being on the top pop records, I think that's hard to do. I think it's hard. I for, think it was it incredible. Was, it, it was, was hard to do. Now, I don't think it's so hard. I think now, he Wayne being the, the trend reason, for that. He's, yeah. he's the one who set the trend. But that's ultimately what I'm saying, where Eminem had that demographic and yeah. was able to still touch and connect to ours. Yeah. I think it's an adverse effect where Wayne came from our demographic and was a lot more relatable to us early on in his career. And he was able to trend his uh, transcend his 
career and transcend how he made music and be able to go and touch another demographic that we can't necessarily relate to a hundred percent yeah i get you we see so, a lot of i think we see a lot of pop rap collabs because of wayne. the door that lil wayne kicked down for sure i mean one of, one of my even, favorite albums and one of yours i know is the calvin harris funk wave bounces right. album just because that stems off of what what lil wayne, wayne started that yes. was what wayne started and also uh, i'm gonna be quite honest i think lil wayne is one of the best users of auto-tune ever yeah. And and you know what I mean. T Pain obviously yeah. mastered it, uh, and a few others. But I think Lil Wayne was a very avid user. Uh, but could also rap his ass off too, For though. Sure. Don't get me wrong. For but sure. No auto tune, no nothing. So I think the diversification of that, um, as well, makes him deaf. Because to this day, that's a heavy thing. The auto tune and the melodies and. The transition from rap to melodies and singing rappers, that's all Lil Wayne, man. And, and I think you made a very key point in being able to say that Wayne was able to rap his ass off as well. For because sure. Wayne still ranks, I think metaphorically, he's the greatest yeah. rapper of all time. His pen was sure, sick. sure, you have more or conscious his head, rappers. He didn't write. Yeah. Sure, you have more conscious rappers. That too is very impressive. You have more conscious rappers. You may have rappers that made better songs, but I don't quite think so because Wayne was able to make so many hit records in a straight, direct hip-hop avenue, but he was also able to go into that pop world and he was able to go into another world and hold pretty much just as much weight as he was able to hold in the hip-hop industry. So that's why Wayne is number one in my eyes because, like I said, it's more of an adverse effect of what Eminem was able to do for a different demographic and opening them up a lot more to hip-hop and making them a lot more acceptable in the hip-hop community. I think Wayne made hip-hop a lot more acceptable in the top 40 communities, in the pop communities, in the country communities, and all that good stuff. And that led to what we have today as hip-hop being the number one streamed genre of music in the world. Facts. In the world. Well said. So next up... We're going to close this thing out with our Take and L segment, so keep it locked. It's the Wake Up and Win podcast on That Cast Network. Keep it locked, folks, as we continue to give you a winning formula. It's the Wake Up and Win podcast. Visit ThatCast.com for more great content on That Cast Network. And we are back, and we are here, as I mentioned once before, in the beautiful Pro District in Portland, Oregon. And, uh... The Take and L segment is now upon us. Dun, 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 dun. Hello. Um, I still have kind of been explaining it. I'm going to give a little bit more of a brief explanation this time around on what the Take and L segment is. Um, with this being the Wake Up and Win podcast and us always trying to give you the formula to winning based on our takes on whatever topic it is that we may be discussing. Um, we do also got to kind of you know, put a little bit of a shine on some of the losers of this week. And quite frankly, that's not always a bad thing. And sometimes it is the worst thing. But either way, you can take from it what you take from it because sometimes you got to lose to become a winner. And sometimes you got to lose to stay a loser. So with that being said, my loser for this week, number 45. Drum roll, drum roll. It's number 45, Donald Trump. Um, and I think I could sit here and name several different reasons as to why Donald Trump is my loser this week. Um, obviously, with a lot of the 
He hit my phone stuff. today. Uh, like that too. Man, he hit my phone. <laughs> I got bro. a presidential alert today, which was some loser type stuff because I didn't quite want it and I didn't ask for it and uh-huh. nor did I give anybody permission <laughs> to make that happen. So I'm not a fan of that. Um, I don't know if you've seen the clip that's been floating around of him kind of mocking and mimicking women um, who have come out and said they've been sexually mistreated with this whole Kavanaugh deal. Um, but that's not either what I'm going to necessarily pinpoint in this particular moment. Not to say that that's not important to be talked about. People, please go discuss it. We often discuss sexual misconduct here on the podcast. I'll always steer you all back to the episode that we did with Jessica Luther because she's an expert on this stuff. I think she broke things down in an incredible way right here on the podcast. So you can always go back to listen to that if you need any kind of frame of reference on how to deal with rape culture and the sexual misconduct culture in today's day and age. Um, But where I am considering Trump to be a loser is that Donald Trump, the president of the United States of America, fell 138 spots on the Forbes list of richest Americans. Now, listen, we all know that Donald Trump is a billionaire. Wow. He's a big money guy. He's a big money guy. And quite frankly, I think he's all about money, which is why we're hearing a lot about. I don't know if you read that investigative piece in The New York Times where he's still being drilled about what him and his father had going on as far as their business was concerned and taxes and if they ever filed taxes and things that they were doing to get away from filing taxes and all that good stuff. All I'm saying is, is this. I think Donald Trump is a money-driven guy. I think Donald Trump wants to make money. In no way, shape, or form, when you talk about a guy who has been so critical of leagues like the NBA and leagues like the NFL and has been critical of people's ratings dropping and leagues' ratings dropping because of the political stances people have taken, that is not a good good reflection of him, excuse me, when you hear that he dropped 138 spots on the Forbes list. When he became president, quite frankly, I think he had the mentality of coming in and becoming richer because of his influence, because he's the president. More people are going to flock to him. More people are going to cling to him. He has a bigger name. His brand can now grow. And that's what I think he kind of expected out of this whole presidential campaign and ultimately being elected as president. But now now that you're in this office and you're playing around with this position as as if it's some Rudy Poo job and that it's just some easy thing to do and you could just jump into it your and do it your, your, your money is dwindling down you're still rich as fuck <laughs> but, <laughs> but but your money's, dwindling down. Word, huh? your money's <laughs> dwindling down and ultimately what I'm getting at is Donald Trump is so quick and he's so critical of people that are against him and kind of their demise and when they're not having success because they're not aligning with him that he sometimes doesn't tend to look in the mirror and see the L's that he's taken and now it's reflecting in his bank account. It's 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 a raindrop in the sea as far as his money is concerned. Yeah, he's, like still he's still A-OK. Yeah. He's still A-OK, but what I'm saying is is yeah. you Rude put yourself in he position to criticize many other people down. and your money's going down. So that's why I say Donald Trump Took an L because he went down 138 spots, and that's a whole heck of a lot of spots to go down on the Forbes list. 
Congratulations. You played yourself. <laughs> well, the transition over to mine, the total contrast for the Taking L segment. I hate to say it. I don't want to say it. But it is what it is. And I got to say that my choice for the Taking L segment this week is Bill Cosby. Yeah, don't hate to say that. I hate to say it, man. I, <laughs> I and I hate that. to say it due to yeah, you, growing you up, watching, and looking up, you know, to this man. And ultimately, I, because you don't want anything that happened to those women and those victims to have happened. I wish exactly, and, and that's what I'm saying. Because sure. it's somebody I looked up to, makes it even more sore to hear that. You know, he was doing such a thing. It, I hurt to hear it from anybody. Right. But for somebody who you looked up to and kind of thought preached the gospel when it comes to fatherhood and parenting and being a model citizen, Absolutely. It, it wasn't it wasn't the case. Right. And so um, seeing that mugshot and, you know, ultimately being convinced that it's enough evidence and things that have surfaced for these accusations to be actually, you know, real occurrences, uh, it just hurts my heart. Um, you know, at 80-something years old, getting sentenced to three to ten years, um, it's a likelihood that you'll be dying in jail. And, you know, it, it's just a sad ending to a uh, 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 now-broken legacy. So For sure. He definitely took an L. And, I mean, you could further elaborate on that, but, I mean, I think I made yeah, it clear I why. I mean, and I guess, I guess, um, like I said in this segment, um, sometimes taking L's is we're trying to figure out a way to kind of navigate back to becoming a winner. And sometimes when you take an L, it's just to it's a, yeah keep you down. Yeah, <laughs> quite it's honestly, a, it's a, it's you stand the on the losing it. end of the stick. Yeah, yeah. I don't really it's see levels Bill, to losing. I don't really see Bill Cosby ever being able to come a, become a winner out of this situation. Um, I definitely do think that society can do so just because he is somebody that holds so much societal influence. Mm -hmm. And for young men out there, take away from this on what not to do mm -hmm. when it comes to the treatment of women. You know yeah. what I mean? Another eye-opener, for this sure. This is an eye-opener. So um, that's where I guess kind of the winning element can come out of this. Has nothing to do with Bill Cosby. Everything to do with people who do have a connection to Bill Cosby and who he was and the career that he had and how much influence he may have had in your particular household. This, These are things that you learn are not okay and that you right. do not do. And to dig deeper into the help that he's talking about, um, you know, recognize if you got a problem. Because I think a lot of this has to do with people having a problem that they don't go deal with the correct way. Obviously, if sex is that important where you're willing to risk your freedom, it's a problem that's probably deeper than you can treat. So if you know you got a problem or feel that you may do something that's misconduct or that may affect someone else's life forever, man, go get help. Talk to somebody about and, it. And not even just if you have a problem. I think a lot of this has to do with pure ignorance. Um, just because of different cultures that people may have grown up around. And people don't necessarily know what boundaries they can and can't cross nah, nah. and what consent is. I'm and so in the act, what they may be doing 
yeah, you can call it a problem, but they may not even see it as a problem well, or know that it is a problem. Well, you know right of, from wrong. Yeah, and, and, so, and, I'm, and I'm not saying to the extent of drugging somebody, but even if you just think about it from on a lower level of like party culture and just going out and having drinks and knowing that, yeah, you shouldn't, like you don't have consent if a woman is drunk and right, you're a young yeah. man, you know what I mean? Like right. I think that's an easy and a common mistake that may not be as intense as drugging somebody, but it's still an element that can easily put you in a position where, yeah, you sexually... Yeah, way um, to clear that up, because yeah, Bills you, wasn't you, ignorant, you mis- so I can tell you con- that. You, you sexually mistreated somebody. So ultimately what I'm saying is we have to become advocates on what consent is. We have to talk about and discuss what limits are are obtainable and not attainable as far as what's considered rape and what's considered uh, sexual misconduct and what isn't. So ultimately, go educate yourselves. Um, If you got kids, whatever the case may be, young men need to be educated a lot more on this because I think there's a lot of gray areas that aren't gray areas (laughs) to women, but they're more so gray areas to men, and we need to know the difference between the two and understand what we can and can't do as far as this entire culture is concerned because I think some of it is confusion. Definitely some of them is problematic. Some people have problems, and some of it is just ignorance, quite frankly. And there you have it. So with that being said, D-Boy, go on ahead and promote yourself, your EP, all that good stuff. Tell them where to find you. Like I've been saying the past few weeks, we got the Leo EP out now by me. That's D-Boy LTD with an I, not a Y. Search it anywhere for all of the new, latest, and greatest music um, and upcoming shows. And with me, you can go find me anywhere. Just search my name, Devon Pouncey, Twitter and Instagram. My at name is Pounce underscore Sation. As I mentioned early on, be sure to subscribe. iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud. Um, go subscribe to the, the, the podcast network that we have, thatcast.com. You can, you can subscribe there and stay up to date with everything that's going on with the network. You can also find our podcast right there on the website as well. So with that being said, we're going to leave y'all the only way that we know how, and that is to stay woke and go go in.